0: welcome to Ohanga. My name is Caroline and today I'll be speaking with Rebecca. Thanks so much for being here Rebecca.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah so let's start off. um, Can you just tell us what kind of art you do?
1: So I do a lot of different kinds of art. I do photography and metalsmithing um, but the main thing that I'm interested in selling with Ohanga is my foraged art. Um, And what that is, I I do a lot of hiking, spend a lot of time outside. So I like to gather a lot of natural items, leaves, petals, twigs, um, all sorts of things. And I will use those to create different scenes. Uh, I lay them out on different kinds of paper and I don't glue or tape anything. And I tend to do these all usually within one day uh, because some of the materials as I work with them start to curl up or change colors. And then I take a picture uh, of the artwork when I finished it. And after that, I take it apart. It's just temporary art. So I'll either uh, compost the leaves and stuff afterwards, or I save some pieces and I use them again. Um, And then I sell prints of that. So it's just prints of the temporary art.
0: Very cool. So can you tell us how and maybe when you got
1: into this? So with the foraged artwork, um, it's been a now, I think maybe it's been about two, three years. It's hard with COVID time, but um, yeah. <laughs> so a friend of mine, my regular day job is I work in a library and a friend of mine who's a patron came in and she'll often show me books that she's checking out because we have very similar interests. And it was something, it was a book by, um, her name is Bridget Beth Collins, and she does some foraged artwork. Um, kind of different style, but it was like, I think it was a children's book of the alphabet. So she had different animals and little things in there. And I thought it was really cool. And I kind of put it on my list, like, oh, I'd like to try something like that someday. Um, and I'm one of those people that I want to try everything. And unfortunately, there's just not enough time and money for that. But I thought, oh, maybe someday I'll do that. Um, several months passed um, from when my friend Sandra and I had had that conversation. And um, I have, I love cats. I have three cats, so. Apologize if I get a little, but my cat, Mr. Kitty, who was almost 20 years old at the time, um, passed away from cancer. Oh. And so we would take a lot of walks outside and I have about two acres where I live. So I would always take him on like supervised walks. Hmm. And as like a tribute to him, I made a piece that was supposed to look like him. Oh. And I gathered, you know, leaves and petals from my yard, things like certain plants that he really liked to go up to. And our vet had also sent us a bouquet of flowers when he passed. So I took some of that and I created a piece, um, that looked like him. So that one, I actually did across a few days and it's the only piece I don't sell actually. Um, obviously not my best piece for the first one, but it's just one of those, um, you know, one of those important pieces. And that was in, you know, it was in November. He had passed in early November and, After that, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really make anything. It was just kind of like a one-off and a few months passed and spring was starting to come and I decided, oh, I'm going to, you know, try this again because I have a lot of flowers in my yard. I have a lot of gardens and I kind of made a dragonfly-ish creature and a friend's uh, birthday was coming up and the word hope is, it's like her words, very, you know, meaningful for her. So I decided to make a print for her of the word hope. And sent that off to her. And from then it just kept going. Um, I have been selling at the Situate Farmers Market locally for, gosh, I know it's been about 10, 11 years or something now. And that was starting uh, back up. And I, people, you know, the few prints I had, people really seemed interested in those. So it just kind of spurred me to keep on going. And I had a lot of great material that time of year. And, um, a friend of mine who I saw next to her name is Jenny. She sells plants. So I'm always over at her booth buying a plant or two, like every week. So she has a lot of cool, unique things that she grows in the state. So I would get some stuff from her. Um, I said, I just kept going with it and people were just so encouraging when I was showing them, you know, what I was making. So I guess that's kind of how it started and it just took off from there.
0: Yeah. It sounds like kind of snowball all.
1: all exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, Is there any person, or I know you mentioned your friend. Is there any person that influenced you to do this, or did you kind of just do this out of your own excitement?
1: Uh, It was just kind of on my own because my friend Sandra and I are always sharing different little things we we think the other person might like. Um, And I really just started with that with that book, and just because I love nature, I guess like I spend a lot of time hiking. And when COVID happened, I was still working. Not obviously in the same capacity, because again, I work in a library. So we were closed down, but I was in the building and doing some stuff remotely. And I kind of set a goal for myself to do more hiking, like, oh, I need to do more trails, like instead of just sticking to the same few trails. So Mm. um, I set a goal to go to like all the Audubon trails in the state. And I made it to all of them, except for the one on Block Island. And so that kind of also spurred me more and more and inspired me because I was going out on all these different trails, seeing all these different you know, items in nature and it made me really look at things differently. So I guess really she started that and then it was just me being out in nature that just kept inspiring me. Um someone of those people I could look at a tree and be like, oh I see a face in that that tree. And someone mm. else might be like, oh I don't I don't see that. Or you know, I'm always stopping when I'm hiking. Someone else might do a trail in two hours. It might take me three because I like to stop and look at everything. Um, I bring my camera, um, so I do a lot of photography, always examining this tree fall, or this is really cool looking moss. Um, and I just get inspired in that way, just from, from being out in nature.
0: Okay, yeah. So when you go out, do you take like a bag with you or anything? To I,
1: I do tend to do that um, if I if I think of it. Um, and because I have like, um I have like kind of a hiking camera bag, pretty decent sized bag. So I usually will tuck some bags in there. Um, I had decided I wanted to make uh, a Bob Ross piece once. So I knew I was gonna need a lot of uh, like pine cones or hemlock cones uh, for his hair. So I was on a trail and I just, and I try not to like overtake anything either or like take too much. So I I try to be like, let me take a little here and there. I don't wanna like deplete anything, you know, (laughs) so to say. So, but I had this big bag and I would slowly fill it up in different places till I had like this gallon Ziploc bag of Bob Ross's hair essentially. and. I, uh, I still to this day have like, I kept all those Um, and I had to give a few to my cat Aurora because she loves playing um, with any kind of pine cones and rocks and stuff. Mm. So um, I just feel like, yeah, in that way, I guess I'm just mostly inspired by, by being out there. And now that I've started to do this, I look at things more and more differently than I used to when I was hiking and I always enjoyed, you know, looking at trees and leaves and plants, but now it's, it's in a whole different way too.
0: Yeah do you have any do you have any themes that come out from your art
1: I I feel like I'm kind of all over the place I you know I've done several people they're not necessarily recognizable people like Bob Ross I think was the only one because I always enjoyed watching him I, oh, I yeah. can't paint well but he always made me feel like I could yes. um and I guess the one theme that did come up with one thing is so I made um some birch animals. A lot of the little creatures that I kind of put in my artwork end up being uh, kind of carved out of, out of birch. And I started reusing these cats. I had made these three cats. I lost one. Maybe someday I'll find him. But anyway, um, I would randomly throw them in some pieces. And one day I decided to make a little dog. And I had them in a boat. And there's kind of like something falling from the sky, like comet. It could be whatever, you know, whatever you interpret it to be. And my brother, of course, I posted online and he says, oh, are they going to go investigate, you know, what that is in the sky? Uh, You should like make a story. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this is a slippery slope. And, you know, next thing I knew, I was like, okay, I keep putting the cat and dog in a lot of my pieces. So, um, as my, my friend Sandra had said, she's like, well, they're taking you on a journey. Mm. So I don't plan like, oh, they're going to go here or there, but like, I've had them kind of on the moon. Um, I've had them trick or treating. Um, I've had them um, trying to think like at farms, all different. Oh, hot air balloon. That was one there, a coworker of mine where her daughter lives. Uh, hot air balloons go over the house a lot. And she said to me one day, Oh, have you ever thought about making a hot air balloon piece with your cat and dog? And I said, No, I didn't, but that's a good idea. So <laughs> um, it actually was a really popular piece when I did that. And uh, so I guess that's the closest I have to a theme is that I don't put them in every piece, but they pop up in a lot of my pieces just on these different adventures um
0: is there any other kind of reasoning you have behind maybe
1: not using tape and glue like you said you don't use I don't you know I really don't know I I guess I just kind of set this in the beginning as maybe a bit of a challenge like let me see if I if I can do this like why use it if I don't have to um and I am like a big I guess just recycler and try to minimize things I use I mean I'm not perfect at it but I certainly try, and I'm sure if I did use a little tape here and there, like, you know, I I would try to re I try to reuse tape and stuff like that. Even I'm like, Oh, let me try to use this another piece. Um, But I guess it's just how I am is I always try to, you know, minimize things like that, or even like the paper I said, I use, I try to reuse it. I don't think I've actually thrown out a piece yet, (laughs) Um, but after a while, sometimes, and I have all different size sheets and some of them are very thin material. So I have to be very careful um, when I'm using them, but the flowers, when I'm cutting flowers, they're gonna be wet if they're fresh when you cut them. So in that case, I, I might put them down to paper towels to try to soak that moisture up so that way it doesn't translate into the paper and make it wavy or mark it. Um, and even when that does happen, I do when I do some editing afterwards, like if there's a spot, I will Photoshop it out. So. I I do when I take things in Photoshop, I will like, oh, there is a speck of dirt there that I really didn't want. Like I will go through and like Photoshop those, you know, little things out. But um, I guess like I said, it's just these self-imposed rules. And I I just have never used it in anything except um some of the newer 3D kind of pieces that I've been making. And even then I minimize it. And I asked myself the other week, I said, why why don't you just taper glue some things? But I, I don't know. I guess it's because I've stuck to this and I just keep on trying to do it or at least at the very least minimize it in the newer 3D ones I'm doing. And like I said, I could use SAP. I've thought of that too. Um, I just don't want to ruin the paper then. So it's that that balance, I guess, of just trying to be mindful and, and not waste materials.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's impressive. So
1: <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And it's kind of that I can I feel almost like it, it is a little more like more work, but I feel like, oh, I, I did that and I managed to to do it without tape. What obstacles have you faced in pursuit of your art, if you've had any? Oh, I think just just in general, one thing for me that's been difficult, maybe not just with the foraged art, but a lot of things I do is sometimes getting my work out there. Um, like I said, I do sell like every Saturday. I'm at our local farmer's market selling, which has been great, such a great market. Um, and I've been involved in some really great shows like Field of Artisans is a great local show here that I do um, and they're great because they're so involved in what everyone's doing and they genuinely like take an interest. But, um, then there's other times where I've tried to get into certain stores or things where people are like, Oh, you should do this. You should try that. And I guess it's getting like the rejection. Like you, you go through all this work and then everyone and then people are like, Oh no, nope, I'm all set or this or that. Or so I think sometimes it's, it's difficult trying to work with some either, you know, shop owners or places. Um, maybe not necessarily saying any fault of theirs, but just getting that rejection a lot of times as an artist. And I don't think it's something people always talk about a lot, but it can be like, kind of like, oh, it's so disappointing because you have so many people that are giving you such positive feedback and, oh, you should be in this place or doing that. And you try everything you can to make that happen. And then it's like, oh no. Or again, for various reasons or Um, the frustration I find is that you'll reach out to someone and then they don't even reply to you or, you know, that, that kind of thing, which again, as an artist, I just feel like, you know, we put so much of like our heart and soul into our work. And then it's like that rejection. So sometimes it's easier to deal with than others. Um, so, I mean, that's just in general for me, um, which I feel like that's been, that's been turning around lately, which is great. Um, but that, that's always, I think, the, probably the toughest thing I faced with my artwork, um, especially when you get such positive feedback from so many people. You're like, oh, people really do like my artwork. but then it's like, oh, but now this person doesn't want, you know. So, um, but with the foraged art itself, I, I think um, really sometimes the challenge is materials or for me, it's like, I guess, getting inside my own head sometimes like, oh, I have this material. I need to do something with it. Um, and then you can't come up with an idea because then you you feel like this pressure and I don't plan out a lot of my pieces. Sometimes I just sit there and I have the items and it's almost like, okay, what can I do with these? And I start playing with them
0: mm. and
1: kind of let them tell me what, what they need to be almost. Um, sometimes they do uh, plan things out, but so as far as that that and wind, wind would definitely be a challenge <laughs> for Forged Art if I have any windows open. Um, I would love to do an outdoor piece. In fact, I during COVID, I built a little greenhouse and uh, I have some stuff like stashed away in there. And I'm like, someday if it's not windy and I live at the top of a hill, um, I'd love to do an outdoor some kind of piece and just on a large scale and take a picture. So that, that would be my biggest challenge with that, I think, would be the weather
0: yeah wow that helps
1: kind of answer your question
0: yeah oh yeah so can you describe your workspace to us is it neat is it messy what time of day do you work do you have music on
1: oh it's it's very messy first of all um i would like to say that i'm one of those clean organized People that knows where everything is, but that would be a lot. So I am just, I'm not. Um, if my workspace is clean, then it means I just cleaned it and it's probably not going to look that way again for a while. So um like I said, I have a I have the cardboard box that I use um to put these on that. I can't tell you how important that cardboard box is, as silly as that sounds. Um, I'm hoping someday to like I do a lot of random DIY stuff. So I'm hoping someday to like build some little setup, but um. So have my cardboard box, it's tucked away between, uh, like a dresser, you know, and mm-hmm. the wall. So I get that out and put it on my kitchen counter, which always has stuff on it. Like always I have a really long counter in my kitchen. So I, I put that on there and my dining room actually has like my dad's old, uh, desk in it and our dining room table, which we rarely eat at like probably most people. Mm-hmm. So I have some of my supplies kind of on my desk in boxes. Um, my sheets of paper are all tucked next to the desk between that and the counter. So I kind of go through that, get out my paper and it's just, my supplies are all in that area um, for the most part, at least the, some of the immediate things, but it's definitely not clean. Um, I always have my little animals and their little Tupperware inside like this little antique box in my desk. Um, and then I end up bringing in flowers, which I tend to store if they're fresh ones. I keep them in my garage just to keep them away from the cat's. Um, so I bring those in and then it just becomes this area where I've just taken over the whole huge counter space. Um, and as far as like my dried materials, I have these two giant bags, like in our hallway closet that are just filled with, one's filled with birch and the other is filled with like milkweed, um, like the cotton seed and different things like that. So it's like my, that's kind of my organization, I guess you could say is like some, you know, shopping bags filled with, you know, certain colored items and little Tupperwa's at my desk. Um, But it's definitely a very messy space. And I guess it's an organized mess though. And as far as like, when I'm creating, um, I do tend to try to put music on. um, So I'll either have music on, I might listen to a podcast. Um, Sometimes I try to do audio books, but I Find sometimes I get too distracted while I'm doing that. And then I realize I haven't really been paying attention. So I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. I always think, yeah, I can do. And then I'm like, I don't know what just happened in the book. Okay, let me go back to music or at least a podcast that if I don't pay attention to, it's not the end of the world. So um I do usually do that. But then there are the moments where I get so zoned into what I'm doing and it's been two hours, and I'm like, I could have been listening to music this whole time, you know. And so that happens too, but um. I still have like a little old CD player on my counter and um, I'll just grab something random to put in there. Um, So I I like to do that while I work, as long as I I think of it ahead of time.
0: Yeah. So do you have an ultimate goal for your art?
1: I I guess I just, especially after kind of discovering making these 3D pieces, it's just kind of like evolving and, and making more you know, intricate pieces, Because sometimes I still like to fall back on doing something basic and something satisfying about that too. Um, and just for, I guess, more people to see them and just appreciate, you know, nature more um, and just look at things differently. Like I, I hope it kind of inspires people to go outside more and, and just look at the world around them in a different way.
0: Is there, is there anything else that you think is important for us to know about you that I didn't ask?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I guess it's just, I just love creating. I feel it's something that I need to do. Um, It's one of those things that I've often said, like, I'd rather be creating or making something than like, you know, some people have to talk to people and get their emotions and things out, which totally fine. I totally get that. For me, I have to go outside and be in nature. Like I have to go take a walk and then like create something. Um, it's just, I guess how I I channel some of that. I'm having a bad day. I'm like, I got to go out and I got to like walk this off. Um, and then I try to like channel it into my artwork almost sometimes, I guess. Um, and it's just, I feel like I I need to create, like if I don't do that, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Um, like I have a regular job obviously and do that, but it's just like a part of me that I, I need to always be making something since I was a kid, I've been making stuff. Um, I actually remember I sold stuff at a shop constituent when I was probably like, I don't know, seven or eight years old or something. I was already selling things in a, in a shop. I can't remember exactly what at the time or what the name of the store was. It's long gone. But um, it's just like something I, I need to do. And so many people will say to me like, oh, you're so artistic. I'm not artistic. Um, but I don't really think that's true. I think everyone's artistic in their own way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: even if it's not, you know, painting, drawing or crafting something like I'm not a great cook <laughs> i'm always trying to be better but i feel like that's an art too like some people are really great at that yeah. um so i think people need to to give themselves more credit with that too it's just we all have some artistic outlet it's just finding what yours is the only other thing i guess i, I would want to add in this is just something i'm sure i could have fit in somewhere um and when you asked about being like inspired by, by things is I had a customer at a show. I did a cactus succulent show this fall. Awesome show. I've been doing a few years. And a woman came up to me and she said, have you ever done stop animation with your pieces before? And I said, no, I don't know anything about stop animation. And I guess she, she did some of that. So she was talking to me about it. And then I decided a few weeks later to do that. And I made a Halloween piece. um, And this was a ton of work. One of the ones I did I had to do this on the floor for this one. I made a scene of the cat and dog um, trick or treating. And after I did my regular photograph, I went and spent two, I know it was two hours. I forget how many frames it was now. I I think it took 30 something pictures. And what it was is I I did, I I don't know much about stop animation, but I know she, she said, you need to do X amount of frames at least to make it kind of, you know, worth your while. So I would take two pictures, nudge certain elements, take two more pictures, get up. And it was like up, down, up, down since I'm doing this on the floor. So that's fun when you're like, oh, yeah, my knees I'm getting older. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some of these things are not as easy as they used to be. And um, so after I did all the pictures, um, I got some software um, to kind of stitch them all together. And I actually made it was like only like, I think, nine or 10 seconds long. But I actually made a stop animation piece and added some music to it. So there's all these different elements moving in that piece. Um, And I just thought it was so cool that, you know, I would have never done something like that if this random person who came to my booth hadn't talked to me about it. So um, it's just inspiring to talk to some of the customers that come by. And again, some of these things happen because of conversations that I have with them. So you're definitely inspiring too.